right now we are joined by phone with by comedian Michael Ian Black. He is here with us. Hello. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me on your radio program. <laughs> yes. Well, we we appreciate you being with us today. So for uh, uh, everyone out there, Michael is a... Uh, Everybody knows a him. A tremendous comedian. Stop. I know, I know. I'm just giving a couple details here. and uh, uh, But one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you today is... I, I've I've noticed a in the Trump uh, era here. Often we see uh, people who are comedians and generally predominantly funny switching into slightly more serious uh, modes to deliver messages about some of the very serious issues that we're confronting as a nation. Uh, you've done it in your Twitter feed. Uh, just the other day, Andy Richter had a very good uh, Twitter thread talking about how ridiculous the. Uh, use of Chicago as a as a cudgel against gun control is, and uh, uh, we had um, uh, late night talk show hosts have sometimes broken in and done really I think amazing jobs of of outlining issues like healthcare and and things that really matter to people. So I just wanted to kind of get your take, Michael, about the the what some of this has done, I guess, to to comedy and and how this is, uh, you know, why you think we're seeing some comedians take this stuff on and, and really embrace uh, some more serious subjects and, and very effectively, I think. I can tell you that. I'm unbearable on Twitter. <laughs> I, can, I cannot deal with myself even a little bit. I am such a nagging scold that I, I hate it. But uh, at the same time, and I, I, I suspect some of the other comedians feel the way I do, It's like you can't help yourself. Uh, Just as a human being, when you find something so repugnant going on around you and to your nation, uh, one feels obligated to speak out. And and I think it's frustrating for maybe comedians in particular because there's an expectation that we're always on or we're always going to be funny. Mm -hmm. And I understand if you're paying uh, $150 to come see me perform, and incidentally, nobody has ever paid $150 <laughs> to see me perform. That was an aspirational quote. Yes, I guess. Uh, hey, was, shoot for the stars. That was me saying one day, one day. Shoot, putting it out there. Shoot for the stars, man. Yeah, it'll, yeah I'll, I'll be like at the Garden. Uh, it, it'll be, there'll be the Eagles prices. But right now, let's say it's 25 bucks to perform. And I understand there's an expectation that I'm going to be funny, and I would have that expectation. But Twitter in particular is a free platform mm-hmm. for people to say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And so I, for people such as myself, we feel, or I feel, obligated to be funny. And when people tell me my job is to be funny, uh, one of the great jobs. Uh-oh. Sorry, we're having a little technical difficulty there. Hold on just a second. Oh. <laughs> go stand by the window. Do, do the thing you were doing a minute ago. You're breaking up just a I'm tiny bit. The window. Watching planes take off and land. Oh, there we go. There you go. Well, who can blame you for that? Well, you know what I wonder is, you know, it seems like comedy has long reacted to 
to to truths and to events and to to things that are sometimes hard to stomach and sometimes I think the most powerful comedy is is one that's almost therapeutic right because it's like calling out the elephant in the room and it's a thing we need to laugh about is it is it partly rooted in that or do you do you see that maybe the political climate right now is shifting uh, is shifting comedy right now in in a more permanent way I don't think anything is permanent in comedy. Um, part of the joy of comedy is that for it to work, it has to surprise people. So when it gets into a rut, uh, something new comes along to refresh it. But I do think in the current political climate, more comedians are feeling emboldened to speak out. Um, if for no other reason, then their audiences are thinking about this stuff in a way that uh, maybe they hadn't before and with a prevalence that they hadn't before, no matter which side of the debate you're on. Uh, the, 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 the politics in this country is so in your face right now. Um, maybe that's a reflection of the person in charge of politics in this country. But it forces, I think, everybody to kind of think about, digest, and form opinions uh, about what's going on. And a comedian, I think, generally is just maybe a step ahead of that curve and is expressing things that people may be, may be having a hard time articulating themselves. Well, I also, in a strange way, I feel like so much of what's happening right now is just, it's bizarre. And, 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 and a lot of people, I mean, the, the speed at which it's happening and the things that are happening and the things that this country is suddenly sort of exposed to and is tolerating in, in, in political circles, are, are it's so ridiculous that in some ways I think that comedians are very good uh, messengers because <laughs> they they're used to uh, uh, taking you know absurd concepts and 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 stuff. So I almost feel like in some ways uh, uh, funny people are kind of the perfect people to weigh in. Right? Yeah, exactly. They're they're helping now. Well, look, like. there's no question that we're the real heroes. Yes, <laughs> you're so brave. <laughs> yeah, we we really are so brave. Um, it is. It, it, what's funny about it is the absurdity of life has far outpaced anything that comedians, I think, normally would think to even do. That real life reads like satire, and so, in a weird way, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make fun of the thing that is already so bizarre that it would it would feel unbelievable a year ago. Um, and so, I think comedians are, are often in a, in a situation where we have to figure out new angles to just point out the surreal nature mm-hmm. of the life that we're living. Yeah, yeah. Well, you wrote a children's book called A Child's First Book of Trump. And that, uh, I did. And that came out, that's been out for a bit now, if I remember correctly. I don't know if that's it been It came out right before the Republican convention. Right, okay. So that's been August of yeah. 2016. So, yeah, that's interesting because... I, of course, have read that many times to my children before bed <laughs> so yeah. that they are properly prepared for this world. But no, but it was... They're properly terrorized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But that was a... I mean, what I thought was interesting about that book, it's it's a, it's a written in a... Um, it's just... It's really charming, and the, the illustrations are great, And but it's also... It is... It's addressing this kind of, holy cow, what are we dealing with here, uh, nature, which I think a lot of kids have certainly picked up on. Um, from whether it's just from their parents' conversations or, or what have you. So I, I felt like the book was, it was very funny, but it was also uh, a, good, a kind of a good thing at trying to break things down to children a little bit. How, uh, 
I mean, it, you did it back then. I mean, it, it, probably not knowing exactly how well that would hold up at this point, I imagine, still. No, that's been a, uh, a terrible surprise. Um, what's, what surprised me about that book, a, a childhood book of Trump, was that I, although it's called that, it was clearly meant for adults. Mm-hmm. And I didn't intend it for it to be, I didn't intend for it to be an actual children's book. And yet, um, I, I have heard from readers that their kids really like it. Oh, yeah. Um, because it, 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 it presents this kind of um, ogreish creature uh, that would be familiar in any children's book um, and, and talks about how to confront it or deal with it. And, and, and I just didn't anticipate that it would, actual, it would have actual resonance for kids, but it does. And that's, that's been a kind of a wonderful surprise for me. So, uh, you know, I, I said earlier about how, how it seems like so much of comedy comes from truth and comes from sometimes painful things and calling out the elephant in the room. Do you feel as a comedian or, or perhaps do you get the sense from other comedians that you know that you, beyond just um, calling out the elephant in the room, do you, have a, do you feel like you have a responsibility to address political topics and some of the absurdity of it in your comedy? Are you asking about Louis C.K.? I was not prepared <laughs> to talk about Louis C.K. <laughs> we hadn't even gone there yet, actually. Um, I, I, do, I do feel a responsibility to talk about whatever is um, if only because I, I, I just sort of feel like that's my job. Mm. And my job is not to my job could could be to silly things, and I do that too. Um, but there's, I think there's a deeper a comedian has to herself, which is just to reveal what's going on with that person in a funny, hopefully relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Certainly. Yeah. And no, we were not going to put you on the spot. About no, Louis yeah, C. we're saving Louis C.K. for later. <laughs> yeah, we're saving we're saving that for we second a, hour. We've got a, we, have well, a, we have plenty planned for that. <laughs> yeah. well, I should. Oh, you cut out again. Oh. I guarantee you, he was about to say something very, very I, brilliant, and his phone has just cut out. I again. think this is the Russians. I really this is it. Yeah. Can you hear me now? I can hear you just fine. <laughs> oh, I don't know why. It was a joke about putting my pants back on, and it was very funny. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I can tell. I can tell now how very funny that it was. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you so much, comedian Michael Ian Black, for being for being with us today. I really appreciate you joining us. Everybody, follow this man on Twitter. Very oh, funny man on Twitter. Yes, follow him for sure. He's, regardless of what he says, he's uh, delightful. And uh, also, I'm, and I'm just going to throw this out as well. Michael does a podcast um, called How to Be Amazing, and it is really outstanding. I mean, it's a, it interviews with fascinating people and. Uh, you know, very uh, sort of uh, really makes you think about things and it goes in depth with, with people who do interesting, fascinating things and who are really good at the things they do. So it's uh, you should check well, that thanks, out. Thanks, Rex. That's very nice. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy it a great deal. It's and almost as good as our podcast. Yes. My wife loves the podcast, too. My <laughs> <Jack> wife. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks take so care, Mark. All right. I- I, I cringe when when phones break up. Yeah, I know that was because yeah. he was like, like making he was making good points and it was like. Uh, 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 uh.
It's yeah. that. Ah, oh, bummer. It's the Trump Technology bites us. It's the Trump administration, I'm telling you. They sabotaged it. <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Fake news. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to keep talking a little bit about comedy and the role of satire. I think that's a really important and interesting and very rich topic.